How are y'all? Dial this thing back. Oh, that's so much better. <laughs> Live chat. Hey, Lal, how you doing? Good to see you. I'm just going to see who joins here real quick because there might be a guy joining uh, within the next kind of 60 seconds that I wouldn't mind having a live chat with. He's over in the Ukraine right now. Glenn, if you're eyeballing things or if you see that whole live video flash or whatever. Ah, there he is. <laughs> nice. We didn't organize this, but Glenn, um... I see you just joined, and if you're up for a live chat, let me know right away, and we'll do that thing. Yeah, pal. Can we do it? I don't know how to uh, <clears throat> initiate it, but I'll... Let me give this a try. This could be a, a really great... Could be. It will be. Um... I just don't have any uh, agenda on it. I, I haven't uh, spoken with Glenn ever live, uh, really, per se, and just see where the conversation goes. Are you into it? That'd be cool. He's in the Ukraine right now, and uh, hopefully the backdrop is... Yeah, buddy. Hey. How you doing? Um, living the dream. Listen, first of all, before you say another thing, I just want to say thanks for joining me, pal. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit and, and nothing real formal, and it's definitely not being organized. I mean, this was just a random. I wonder if Glenn would be around this morning. Um, so thanks, pal. Thanks for joining on a live chat. Um, and uh, I, I'm not sure where our conversation will go or how long it'll take, and I don't even know what you've got going on at that end. So you got some time? Yeah, I the first time I've had electricity in a long time, and definitely first time I've had uh, internet. So, Bro, how crazy is that? Crazy, so crazy. Um, so for anyone who's watching right now uh, live, and of course, Glenn, as you know, I'm not that good at this whole social media thing. I'm just doing my best, pal. You know that. Um, oh, that's great. I just want to say that to anyone who's watching it live now or anyone who will be watching this when I push up, save and, and listen, pal, at the end of this whole thing, remind me to link you in as a collaborator. I think that's what you're supposed to do or I'm supposed to do uh, if you're into it. Is that OK? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. That's what I'm told is supposed to happen. So I'm trying to follow <laughs> the rules. <laughs> no, that sounds but good. Before I get into anything more about what's what, um, and where we'll go in the conversation, perhaps. Introduce yourself. Let people know who you were in the past, who you are now and what you're doing, and maybe your thoughts for the future in sort of however long you want to take to explain all of that. Is that cool? Yeah. So uh, I'm a Canadian guy, uh, uh, born and raised in Langley, B.C., um, just a regular dude growing up, uh, hockey player, told, you know, did shitty in school, all that good stuff. And, uh, decided, um, I was hung over on Remembrance Day and put on the old TV and there's nothing except World War II stuff on there. And I thought I better go do something with my life. 
And uh, at the ripe old age of, I think I was 20, I joined the Army. And uh, um, the Army was great for me. And um, I served over in Afghanistan in 2008 with some amazing, amazing guys. Um, I was a 2VP, so based out of lovely tropical Shiloh, Manitoba. It's paradise. Yeah, it's something. And uh, no, it's really good, actually. Manitoba is, it's, it is a beautiful place. And the only thing more beautiful than like the sunrises and sunsets are the people there. Unreal. Mm, I dig it. Yeah, they don't call it friendly Manitoba for nothing. So no, you're right. So uh, served over in Afghanistan and uh, had a crazy tour like everyone does, right? And um I had a weird job over there. They had me as a designated marksman. So I got to carry the AR-10 um, and along with a C9 and um, had a good go up up until my one one day before I was supposed to come home. I was ambushed and uh, hit with a recoilless rifle uh, where unfortunately um, inside the vehicle, there was four of us. On top was another guy. The guy on top lost his leg. Um, really good uh, crew commander um, and good person. And uh, the other three guys inside, uh, Mike Segi, Chad Horn, Andrew Grennan, didn't make it out. Um, they made it out, but they, they, they died. So, um, um, yeah, rough go there. Uh, then I got into, uh, went back to university, had a rough patch with the military and, and um uh, ended up uh, in real estate, um, excelled in real estate in Brandon, Manitoba. I uh, can't say enough good things about Manitoba. I uh, truly, like I, I was taken on as like a, like a, like one of their own. So uh, I had a really good go there, had a great real estate team, was uh, top in the, in the province for real estate and then woke up one day and um, retired and moved back to BC and, uh, back home to my family, I started another business training police officers. Just tried to, I didn't, I hated being pigeonholed or, or, uh, I didn't want to do one thing. You know what I mean, right? Like, I know. I know. So, uh, so I was doing that and golfing a lot. And then February 24th hit and I couldn't sit back and watch what was happening, uh, to, uh, to Ukraine. And, I think it was like two days I sat and thought about it. And then I booked my flight and then I went into work where I work with my amazing dad, uh, training police officer cool. who's a, he was a sniper with Vancouver SWAT team for hundred years. And, wow, and cool. uh, he's a beauty. He's a great guy. And, um, then, um, got my flight and came over here to Ukraine and been helping and doing some weird stuff ever since. Mm -hmm. Um, that's quite a, you know, you've, you've condensed quite a life into the elevator story. Now, granted, it was like a 90-second long elevator. But, um, man, it, that, there's a lot of details missing in a story that probably could go on for hours. Am I wrong? Yeah, I've had a wild ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I, I, love, I love my life. Like, so it's, I wouldn't change... I mean, I would have zigged when I zagged at the end there, and I don't recommend getting hit with the recoilesses. They're not they're not meant to survive, right? So right. Uh, I still have health issues from that, but um, I'm here. I am still still trucking, doing my thing, and working working in Ukraine. Yeah, I dig it. And so, you know, I'm 
How about we touch on uh, precisely, not precisely, but generally what you're doing over in the Ukraine and and that entire subject of the Ukraine. How about we touch on that in a few minutes? Um, sure. If you've got time, of course. Um, yeah, I'm I'm. I'm good now. I'm just surprised I have electricity. So awesome. Well, we'll we'll, we'll make this an electricity count. So we'll we'll touch on Ukraine um, in a sec. But one of the things that just entered into my mind that we should probably talk about, and that is, uh, you and I kind of laughed in our DMs a little bit back and forth uh, in respect to. It might have been a live chat that I put out about, you know, I'm just kind of making this whole thing up on a day-to-day -day basis. One of my my sniper buddies, uh, Dave, uh, and I were, were kind of laughing about, man, we just did our best, and we sometimes we didn't know what we were doing each day, and, and we just kind of, I don't know, we made it work. And, uh, and through that process, um, you know, the military taught me how to do certain things, and and all of those skill sets, there's some very specialist skills that I don't use at all, of course, but all of those play out into just general life. They're universal habits and disciplines and whatnot that just make you a more awesome person if you apply them correctly. And so you and I kind of laughed a little bit about how maybe we, when we were young, young guys, we were both maybe skinny and underperforming kids and and somehow we managed to find our way to do all right i suppose uh through that process of uh, uh following what the military taught us and then applying our own personal discipline and etc to you know create something reasonably impressive am i yeah. wrong no i i think um going it takes a certain kind of person to join the military and then it takes um it takes another kind of person to excel and absorb what the military teaches you uh some people let the military consume them and then other people let it be a part of who they are and then they can use that tool uh in every aspect of their life and mm -hmm. You know, I'm not one of the kind of guys walking around with 5'11 everything and, uh, you know, my, my, I don't wear my CAD pad out and about, you know, I'm, I wore a suit and tie in real estate and, and, um, and I never wanted it to be that defining characteristic of me. But um, I think a lot of us can take that military experience, can take that knowledge um and that those, I hate saying that because it's so cliche, that tool in your toolbox, right? Like how many times have you heard that? That's so right. You, you can take those tools and, 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 and use them for so many different aspects of your life. So it's, it's pretty amazing. And here in Ukraine, like, man, like every, every battle school instructor, like is in the back of my mind, you know, sure. like, Telling yeah. me what to, you know, what to say as I'm teaching because I'm doing a lot of instructing here along with other stuff. But um, so every time I'm like chirping about, uh, you know, chirping at these soldiers to you know watch their arcs, or whatever. I'm thinking about you know Corey McEachern and Jeff Chin and all these beauties. You know what I mean? And, right. and yeah, it's just uh, it's good. It is good, and you know I'm glad you said that, man, because I don't think uh, I mean. Let me be careful about what I'm going to say now. It's just a, it's a random thought that I, I want to put out there as a general 
maybe consideration. I think, you know, as veterans, perhaps we're, we're easy or we're maybe quick to say, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I stand on the shoulder of giants and, uh, you know, I owe, I owe it to all the guys behind me. They taught me everything I know and et cetera. You know, most veterans are pretty quick to say that, but I don't think we ever really spend enough time actually, you know, dwelling on that or, or, or shining a light more on someone who was really inspirational or someone who we often think about, you know, in moments like you're having right now, that dude 15 years ago who just kept chirping at you to cover your arcs, cover your arcs, cover your arcs. What are you doing? Cover your arcs. And, and they're nameless and faceless unless we kind of give them that nod, you know? A hundred percent. Sorry. I just noticed one guy on there. I, I, I was in uh, Quiverique, which is where is in Eastern Ukraine. Just said hi, so I'll say hi to to Quiverique guys. So no, but you're you're absolutely right. In in the military too, we don't we don't realize how many hats these guys wear. You know, we we all join to be soldiers, but we're teachers. Mm -hmm. We are we are psychologists. We are Mm -hmm. you know social workers. We are you know you're everything when you're there, and you're all that each other have so you're you're constantly leaning on each other so you're you're absolutely right like we we don't realize how many those giants that were on the shoulders of like those guys like they are the foundation for everything that we are right anyways i can speak on my own like you're speaking for me as well it's just like i am a so much of a better person because I've learned from what, not just only what they taught me, but maybe if they messed up, you know, or they slipped up and I, and I, I held them in such high regard. I saw that and I'm, I'm going to learn from their mistakes, which is a lot, a lot easier to learn from someone else's mistakes than your own. It sure is. And you know, actually on that point, uh, something that I'd never, I've never said out loud, uh, it's been a thought of mine in the past. I just haven't really formulated it, uh, but you prompted that little spark that is going to allow me to say this. And and I'm curious as as to your opinion. Uh, What I came to understand once I left the military is the spectrum of learning opportunities that we had versus out in the world around us now as veterans will call it that spectrum is about that wide and the reason i say that is because back in the day um you you saw extremes of how to do it amazingly well and you saw extremes of how to do it the worst possible way and 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 it was um there was always consequences to both of those extremes and all the way through the entire spectrum. So it wasn't just a matter of um, seeing this much, but there was accountability assigned to it. So you always saw the outcome. And, and to your point, when you say, you know, someone who um, who's done it well or someone who's done it poorly, I, in my military career, I've seen things done so extremely poorly that it could never be done that poorly outside of the, the military world. You know what I mean? I, I heard it. One of the first, like, uh, memories I have is I have a, a warrant officer telling me, Kirkland, a, a job done half fast is still a job done. And I'm think I remember thinking, 
Right. That is the worst. Awesome. And, but I learned from that. I learned exactly what I didn't want to do, right? I still remember who that guy was. So I won't say his yeah, name, right. but my, like, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, we, we learn from these things, so. So now you're, you've been over there. Um, nine months. I guess about, yeah, I was just doing the math. It would have been about nine months. And, of course, you've accomplished a bunch of things in that time. And I want to tease out some of those accomplishments, not in the sense of the day-to-day, -day, uh, but um, I want to I do it two ways, if that's okay. One is what you feel perhaps you've accomplished while you're there, and then separate that or delineate that from what you feel you've learned. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I can't talk about everything on here, but... No, of course, of course. Uh, some of the things I'm most proud of is I've trained um, and got thousands of soldiers certified um, through the Ukrainian TCCC program. Um, I, I kind of started, uh, I shouldn't say started, I, they, uh, some military units asked me to put something together and I phoned some of my buddies um, in your old unit in Ottawa there to send me over some PAMs for the TCCC stuff and within minutes I got everything. So it was like those connections, like we always, we're still looking out for each other. You know what I mean? And um, so I, I, with that, I, I've had some money given to me through a lot of my connections in Canada and my own funds and um, got bought tens and tens of thousands of dollars worth of med stuff, um, which is like almost like emotional for me to talk about because this is stuff that these guys didn't have and didn't know how to use. Mm. So I, I was in the East in Kramatorsk and I was going through a check stop and some of the uh, soldiers there were like, what the hell are you doing here? And I was explaining to him and uh, he goes, how do you use this? And it was a tourniquet. Right. And I remember going, how do you not know? And I'm going, then I'm going, wait a minute. I didn't know how to use this until I was shown how to do it. Right. So got out of my car and did an impromptu T triple C last year. Like, wow, well, that's the, the, the tourniquet portion of it anyways. And, and then like, I've stayed in contact with these guys and I've literally taught thousands how to save each other. And like, it's given me almost like a second wind at my military life, which is, which is much needed. Right. You know, and, and, but so, yeah, that was huge for me. Um, going to cities that were newly liberated, bringing supplies. Like, I know like some people think it's almost like a conspiracy what's going on. It's, this is, I've never been in something more cut and dry, good versus evil. It's there, these people wanna be Ukraine. They love Ukraine. They love being Ukrainian. And they're trying, people out there trying to stop that and now that winter set in, food is getting even more scarce. Oh yeah! It's like I'm inside and wearing a jacket. I'm. It's it's not it's not going great here. So, um, the supplies can't stop. Like we gotta keep we gotta keep supplying Ukraine. 
not just weapons, but everything, you know, civilians and everything. But the best defense is right now is to get these guys guns so they can fight back. Mm. So, yeah, so accomplishments, the, the, the medical training, the soldiers is absolutely massive and police and first responders, um, supplying the communities with with food and it's not just people in the east either it's you know they have um cities in central ukraine kalush ivana frankies has tens of thousands of displaced internally displaced people that use up you know the food banks and stuff like that right. right so so all those communities need help too and and um i've been able to do as much as i can while i'm here i bought a vehicle i you know, I spent over a hundred grand of my own cash and not to mention all the donations I've got. It's, um, and I've, I've watched the, I've watched a lot of amazing people do a lot of amazing work. And unfortunately I've seen a lot of negative stuff too, but yeah. Dude. I mean, like, what do you even say? I mean, what do I even say? There's nothing I can really say to like, it's, there's nothing right to say there but thanks for being awesome oh man it's uh it's like the biggest honor of my life being here and like it's super emotional because i know one day i'm gonna have to go home and uh like it's it's crazy you know like uh i i have to get myself uh injections every day um to stay alive since my injuries in 2008 and there's like I'm bringing some of these medical medic medications to people that are in the same position as me that need this stuff to stay alive and they don't have it. And I'm thinking, imagine if I had to skip doses and like, I'd just be totally messed up and these guys and girls and grandmas and grandpas are just needed a lot of help. And yeah, man, it ain't easy. Uh, I, and, and I think, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but in our DMs back and forth, we'd actually talked a little bit about you being over there for a while and, and that line in the sand, for lack of a better term, as to when you need to sort of start thinking about, okay, I just need a little bit of a break in order to get things wired up tight again, and then I'll make another decision on what my next move is, because it's not an eternal burn rate. Uh, for any person no like uh, yeah it's uh like afghanistan ended for me right but i was already mm -hmm. like my packed up like uh, like i knew i was gonna go home the next day anyways i ended up staying there longer because i was in hospital right but but um like when you go on tour with the military they tell you when you're going home mm. here it's <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a nebulous uh proposition and and uh, sometimes you know that can be pretty hard on well nearly anyone who is uh, standing on the edge of the precipice eternally. I mean, even the strongest individual every once in a while has to think, okay, I just got to take a breath. I got to take two steps back from this thing away from the precipice and, and just uh, see how I'm feeling about things. Yeah, yeah. I guess one day I'll have to do that. But right now I'm going to go as hard as of I course. can. Of course. And I, 
going to go until the wheels fall off and then we'll reevaluate. Well, it. hang on a sec. Not till the wheels <laughs> fall off. Maybe until you get a slow leak in that back passenger tire and then you can pull over and, and consider things. Oh, for sure. I've, I've done over 60,000 kilometers in nine months since I've been here. Ah, and, and no oil changes. Yeah, yeah, I probably should get on that. But <laughs> Mr. Lube, I'm sure there's a, a thousand of them over there. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, as as is the way of military guys, you know, we'll probably ebb and flow between that sort of man, that's some tough times all the way down to now we're having a little bit of, uh, of a laugh about that sort of almost dark humor that military guys tend to have. Uh, you know, we try to m make things a little bit easier through a, a little bit of a laugh, even though we know it's no joke. Um, so what I, what just popped into my head was someone had sent me a video and it was a collection and a, a, a social commentary, if you will. Not a big thing. And, and you know that I'm not into politics, so it's not about a political social statement. It was just some clips uh, from the great wars of trench warfare uh, and showing, you know, the state of conditions of soldiers that are living in the trenches kind of in that winter, moving into winter and winter conditions. Now, you and I, we've both stood in enough trenches and, and enough soaking wet trenches for days that we know that that sucks. And But most people don't know how bad that sucks. And so now those uh, video clips then went into like the modern battlefield in the Ukraine, showing soldiers living in that uh, muddy water uh, where it's uh, almost up to their knees or at least mid-shin. And they ain't great conditions. And, and by the way, those conditions are, there's no end in sight. Uh, perhaps for some of these guys, they might be in it for months and it, it's just not awesome. And, you know, putting that visual perspective out there of how hard trench warfare is, even just to survive, never mind fight it. Man, all, all the respect to uh, not just the guys, but the guys and girls that are living under those conditions. So, I mean, what are you seeing out there right now? They're like true warriors. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Like these guys and girls, and they're just, I don't know how they're doing it. Like, I don't know. As you can see, I'm sitting in an apartment right now. Like I'm not in that, those trenches and I, I don't wish that on anyone. Right. Uh, but the morale is high and they're kicking butt. Like they're, they're, tr the, they're the epitome of warriors. Mm -hmm. Like, and every once in a while I stop and think like, how many of my friends back home in beautiful British Columbia, would they step up and do the same thing? And man, like these guys are, these guys and girls right. are like, they are tough. They are right. so tough. So it's, right. You know, they're doing what needs to be done. And it's so unfortunate that they have to do this. But, like, Ukraine will win. Ukraine will win. And then when that happens, it's going to be one hell of a party. Well, you know, I think we're all looking forward to that party. That's for sure. Yeah. I just, at what cost? Of right? course. Of course. Uh, I was in Quiverik and, and the cruise missiles were hitting the, the dam um, and houses, people that were living in their houses for generations were had to move 
because their buildings were flooded out. Um, you know, I was in Kharkiv and it wasn't like every 30 minutes there was an explosion. It was every 30 seconds there was a massive, Bro, so like, crazy. like core shaking. You know, I always think that, oh, I'm, you know, pretty strong, pretty tough guy. I slept in a bathtub, you know, or like, I remember going like, oh, like, you know, this is it. You know, this is the way, like, better comb my hair because when they find me, I, I want, you know, I want to, you know, something, right? Like, dude, listen, if you've never slept in a bathtub in your life, if anyone's listening to this right now or is going to listen to this in, you know, an hour or whatever, if you've never slept in a bathtub, you just haven't lived a full life. That's my opinion because I know I have more than once. And I mean, you got to. <laughs> it it changes the way you look at things. Oh yeah, no life is uh, life is different. That's for sure. When you sleep in a bathtub, it really does change. Now I've got a question for you. Um, while you were mentioning that, it it uh, made me consider a, not a concept but a, a broader or a meta consideration. So looking at how this invasion occurred and and um, you know the sort of the timeline of things. Of course, at one point on day zero, we'll call it, there was a, there was a guy or a girl, they were a teacher or a, uh, a grocery store owner or a mechanic. It doesn't matter what it was. They, were, they had a normal life, a good life. And then at some point on day one or day 10 or day 27, whatever the case is, they kind of shook their head and thought, I've got to get on with that program. I've got to step up. I've got to do my part. I've got to engage in the process, and I'm going to defend my country. Now, what do you think? How do you think that all played out? Because on day zero, now, people might have thought something was coming down the pipe, but not that many. But on day zero, um, things changed pretty quickly, and it seemed that the country responded pretty quickly. So what do you think it was? So... I don't want to speak for them, but a lot of a lot of the Ukrainians that I've 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 taught, um, I always I ask them what they do. What you know? What mm. did you do before the war? Right. And you know, I ask them, you know, what do you do? And they're like, oh, I'm a in infantry, or I work with artillery. I'm like, no, no, no. Before the war, it's like, oh, I baked bread. Right. Oh, you know, you know, what did you? Do? I I sold furniture. Oh. You know, like, you know, everything from that to, oh, I was a, I was an engineer. I helped build bridge, like, right. I'm going, and I'm, I'm looking at these guys and one guy goes, yeah, I, I was in real estate and I'm 39 and, uh, I'm looking at this guy and he's around the same age as me. And I'm thinking this, this could have been, this it's could have been, been you. It is you. It is me, except I. I had years of training before this. Right. So, you know, I we've condensed the the TCCC program into seven days. You know, and and it's intensive, but it's it's all they get. So, you know, if these guys get five, ten, fifteen, twenty days of training before they're off, mm -hmm. then they're they're pretty fortunate. But then they just they're just warriors. I don't know how else to explain it. And a lot of these guys have been in the military for a long time, though. Like, they have some experience, experience right. here. And, 
And um, I've learned a lot from those guys and, and been able to then pass on what they've taught me. Like I've taken, I've taken, I've taken the courses here too. Uh, and then also taught, obviously taught thousands, but tried to sit in on some of the other courses. And I've always learned uh, whether it's, you know, a tiny little thing to, a, you know, a mass, massive thing. I totally forgot about map and compass. Be totally, you know, I just, <laughs> so to get a refresher right. on that, I was like taking notes like crazy, you know, right. and, and then, uh, and then next thing you know, we're using it. So it's like, wow, this is fantastic. And I didn't come here to do anything military related. So it's, it, I came here just to do humanitarian work, but I also came here for around four or five weeks and that was nine months ago. So, mm. Yeah, I get it. Now I've got a, I've got another question for you, um, and and I don't. I've got zero scripts. I've got zero agenda. You know how I work. I just kind of, you know, we're just chatting, pal. That's what we're really doing. But oh, as yeah. you were saying what you were saying, it made me think uh, because you've said it a number of times now, and and it's been enough times that I've got to raise the subject. And that is a country of warriors, or they are warriors. So let me ask you this. Um, do you feel that Ukrainians or the country of Ukraine has anything unique about its its culture or the, the DNA of the country uh, versus, let's say as an example, uh, Canada? And I'm I'm not... Let's not talk about, you know, the politics because, yeah. you know, that's an entire different gong show story that I'm not interested in chatting about. Yeah. Uh, let's just talk about the country or the maybe the culture or maybe the, the DNA difference between Canada and the Ukraine. Because I'm curious as to if the same thing would have happened here, would our country react the same way? Uh, I would hope so. Well, I hope, but I'm not really into hopes and dreams. So <laughs> yeah. that's why I phrase the question specifically. Yeah. So Ukraine to me um, is, is what I hope a lot of countries strive for. They are just like, it, Ukraine is just like Canada. And, you know, they're, Kiev, uh, Kiev is like Vancouver. Kiev is like Toronto. You know, it's, mm -hmm. A, a beautiful booming metropolis and so i don't think it's like the country itself you know what what is a country a country has defined borders it has a governing body uh, has to defend its borders so i think it's the it's the people that are so different it's um it's the way they've stepped up it's it's the Agreed. way that it's it's their it's their culture that they you know, talk about standing on shoulders of giants. There is the history of Ukraine is so amazing, and it's it has beautiful dancing and f the food. Like, I think I lost fifteen pounds in 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 Afghanistan, and I'm pretty sure I gained fifteen here. So the food's been great. It is uh, like the culture here is. I don't think it's known around the world enough because I mean, they have their own language, their own everything. So it is like Canada that in some, some aspects, but the way they've stepped up to, to having such a bad neighbor is remarkable, like so strong. And that's when I think about that, I go, what did I do differently? What did I do special to be born in Canada? Right. Nothing. I was a lucky sperm. 
I've said so, the same thing myself. So just like when we're looking for houses, you know, we pick a house and we hope, we pray that our neighbors are good. Ukraine has a bad neighbor. In Canada, mm. we got a we got a great neighbor, right? The U.S. Yeah, they're they got a little problems with themselves, but they're really good. Who neighbors. doesn't? Exactly. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> we all do, right? But Ukraine is like the culture is amazing here, and it hopefully when this when they win, there can be a big uh, spotlight shone on it because it is a great country. Well, you know, it's that will happen. And and that time will come. And I think what will the some of the best stuff that will come out of that celebration or out of that recognition is the fact that perhaps other citizens of the world, not just other countries, but other citizens can recognize the effort put out by the citizens of the Ukraine, of course, as a whole. And and use them as a inspiring example of what can be created with a collective, a collective spirit of not just defending your country, but just collectively doing the right thing. To your point, I, I've I've seen some comments come up, and uh, as we've been talking, and you know, mentions of we've been preparing since 2014. So, I understand the history of how this has kind of played out to date, but when the invasion occurred this year, um, you know, everyone as an armchair quarterback who's listening to this right now might have, might be saying to themselves, oh, I saw that coming a mile away. Oh, I knew that was going to happen. But guess what? A whole pile of people didn't know what was going to happen. And the bakers of the world that were hanging out in Kiev and such, I mean, they they didn't have a big red button to slap and say it's go time because that's just not their life. But that's what they did. And I think that's a really unique thing. Oh, they've stepped up and and gone so above and beyond and and yeah, like it's it is remarkable. And everyone here is doing their part. Which again, like like uh, uh Yuri mentioned uh, commented on something earlier. The guy that guy's a warrior like he mm -hmm. is uh, he was in the 2014 war so like uh, he so when he says he's been prepared he's been beyond prepared the guy is right. like, the guy is a stone-cold killer so um and the whole country is just stepping up which is which is remarkable i i would think like you know i always think of myself too this is like a little off topic but that first guy at the border crossing the first ukrainian guard to see that absolute tower of russian vehicles comes what was he thinking right like wow like right. <laughs> i've watched the video many times and and i've had my own thoughts about how would that play out i don't know it's a wild thing it's a wild thing but you know it's 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 a thing that happened and it's a it's a thing that was absorbed and adapted and countered effectively um, it was a, that classic improvise, adapt, and overcome mentality. And that's not just on the weekly. That's on the, not even the daily. It's on the hourly some days uh, from what I'm seeing over there following kind of the feeds. It's been a, a masterful improvisation, in my opinion. Yeah. And, like, I'm still pulling my hair out when I see unbloused boots. But because I'm not, I'm not used to it, right? But then right. I see... 
but then I realized I'm like, wow, they, they, they stepped up, but they're also putting emphasis where emphasis deserves to be. Right. You know, they're, they're, you know, they don't belong to their boots because the whole country is the field. Like that, right. which is, it's such a different concept for us in Canada. Right. So that's why I think coming here was such an eye opener for me because I didn't know what I was getting into. I crossed the border the first time. I was driving um, a, a downhill bicycle repair van that I had loaded to the roof with food. I didn't know if I was going to cross the border and start getting shot at. I didn't right. I, you just don't know, right? And then I end up and I go to Lviv and I see all these, uh, I don't know how to explain. You know, a lot of fat Americans drinking beer at bars. Right. No one's giving them an AK. You know, <clears throat> so Bro, I get it. It's I was just blown away, and then I'm going like, oh well, if you if you want to get a job here, like, go go take some money and buy a van and and do what I'm doing. And oh, I I can't do. You know, guys would come up with every excuse in the world not to go do it. But while they're ordering another round. Yeah. Yes. So the the bars in Lviv are booming, and the, I guess they're doing their job by helping their the economy here. But That's right, I suppose Westerners here that are I don't they're looking for paychecks or something, you know, and and I and I they're not putting the hard work into it. The stolen valor here. Oh, Sean, it's I haven't met one person here that hasn't been shot in the plates you know, quote unquote, like it's, just, it's remarkable. Right. So it's, it's nonstop, but mm -hmm. uh, it's the Ukrainians are the ones that uh, have stepped up and are doing, they're doing the lion's share. They're doing all, the, they're doing all the work. You know, I came here, I'm just helping them out best I can. So. Uh, well, now hang on a sec. Let's talk about that for a sec, because while you were chatting away there, I was thinking about what you were talking about, and I don't want to shift to another subject without adding a little bit of nuance to at least the conversation. And here's what I was thinking. You know, you went over there for a reason, and, and let's say there was 10 reasons for, you know, sake of argument. You went over there for 10 reasons, and your reasons are different than the guy down the street's reasons, and that guy ended up in a bar drinking beers all day long, all month long, all year long, taking photos, throwing them up on Facebook or Instagram or whatever he's doing, Twitter, and getting his rah-rah system bought on. Meanwhile, he's never had mud on his boots. So you're different than the guy down the street. And so your motivations to do what you do and his motivations to do what he does are completely different. But you know what? Here's the thing. The guy down the street who's doing that, pumping his fist and not getting dirty, there's a lot of people out there that think that guy is crushing it. He's righteous. He's doing the right thing. He's out there lending a helping hand. He's the man. When in reality, we both know that there are people who talk and there are people who walk. There are deeds and then there are words. And so you're kind of falling into that category of deeds, not words, not that fist-pumping, uh, clean boot, beer-swilling goof who's putting that stuff up on the Facebooky. And so, you know, I appreciate what you're doing, but there's more to add to that. And this is an important consideration, I think. Dude, you probably didn't have a plan when you hopped into that van and started heading for the border. 
you were doing that pilgrim thing. You were like, you were, you were adventuring your way forward into the unknown with a righteous mindset and a will to make it happen. And that's a huge thing. And the reason I, I, I say that is because I was thinking about it this morning. I was kind of hoping I would bump into you on the, on the IG today because I was thinking of you as I was reading about David Sterling. And uh, I actually put a couple of screenshots up on my Instagram stories because what strikes me as interesting about Sterling, I know his history, of course, know the history of the SAS, but he was super unconventional and kind of irresponsible. And the, the guys that he gathered together were, you know, they weren't, uh, uh, they didn't blouse their pants. They didn't shine their boots. And I, you know, I'm no David Sterling for sure, but for sure, I like to put my hands in my pockets, not blouse my boots, and kind of be a little bit of a pain in the arse to the regular system. And, you know, I'm not sure that that's what you have to be to be in special operations or that kind of a guy or girl. But I think you've got to have a certain way about you that is a little unconventional. And in order to be effective, I don't think that unconventionality should ever be shut down. And so if there's guys and girls that are wandering around uh, in, in any street of the Ukraine right now with their pants unbloused or their hands in their pockets or a cigarette dangling out of their lip or they're scratching their arse while leaning on, they can do whatever they want as long as they're getting that job done being effective. And I always think that the results are what count, not the looks. And, and you're probably seeing a lot of that over there. Oh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, and like, yes, it's, it, you're, you're watching people get the work done. It's just, it's just as simple as that. Like, it, you know, you got to go from point A to point B. There's no red tape that they go through here. You know, like I remember thinking like a road move back in the day, you know, going to Wayne, like so many moving parts. Okay, we got to take this, you know, this armored vehicle from this point to this point. Okay, how are we going to refuel? Well, there's a few gas stations on the way. Let's pull over. It's like, oh, what about food? Well, are you okay with eating a hot dog? Yeah, okay, let's go. You know, and, and they- <laughs> Or not. Are you, are you okay with not eating? We'll get there eventually. And that's what happens, you know, and, right. and, and it's, it's, it's awesome. They're, they're, they're killing it over here and they're, they're doing great work. And, and I'm just, I'm just, be, I'm just proud to be here and able to support as, as much as I can. But when I, the first time, it's funny, it's like, uh, talk about the first time I went over, uh, I came to Warsaw, I flew into Warsaw. I went out and I had my phone stolen with all my contacts for the units I was going to join. And so my whole game plan changed. And you don't, make, you don't realize how important your cell phone is until it's gone. Right. So like I ended up, oh, long story, ended up at a restaurant having a few cocktails going, what am I going to do? <laughs> Trying to shake off the jet lag. And this girl that I was having cocktails with go, takes a phone call and comes back and goes, hey, do you want to go to Ukraine? I'm like, uh, that's the plan. She goes, do you want to go tonight? And I'm on like my yes. cocktail. And I'm like, 
<laughs> okay, so we stopped by at like, it's called Shabka. It's like a 7-Eleven in Poland. And I down like 19 espressos and I'm just ready to go. <laughs> go time. Yeah, it's uh, had some maker's mark in my belly and uh, lots of espresso on top. It made it for a perfect, uh, perfect first trip. Actions, man. These yeah, are words. Yeah. Shooting against that task in front of you that you know is in front of you. That's that's righteous. I I so respect that and big fan. Right on. So now, um, where do you find yourself over the next month or two? What are you thinking? Uh, I I'm burning out. Of course. Like it's just been it's nine months. I don't have anyone, you know, a chain of command to say go sit this one out, go relax. You know? It's draining. It, it is. And then, and then you sit there and you, you, you know, I follow these charities and stuff that I support and I know that they need help and I'm going, how can I sit down and watch episode 19 of Grey's Anatomy when I could be out there helping people? You know what I mean? Like it's a so, thing. It's a thing. And then, and then, you know, you sit here and I'm freezing my arse off and I've, in an apartment, I'm going, wait a minute, there's people that are colder than me. You know, I'm wearing a 1960s Soviet jacket, but they don't even have that. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's it's hard to, to sit on your hands here, that's for sure. But, you know, the, uh, and, and I think we might have uh, ripped this back and forth super quick in the DMs, um, not specifically how I'm going to outline it right now, but the general theme of, and I've said this before on podcasts, like, in order for me to be a good dad, in order for me to do this well, like I've got to look after myself as well, which means I've got to nail my sleep, I've got to nail my nutrition, my hydration, I've got to, you know, find time to decompress. I, I you know, I've never watched Grey's Anatomy, but if that's what I've got to do, I'm going to watch that episode at least once a week to make sure that I'm reconnecting with the fact that I'm not the Terminator 9000 robot. I'm actually a human being that needs to ha look after himself and not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. And, and so, you know, some of my best performances have been when I've been like work factor three right on the edge. That, and that's, I love that feeling. But the only reason that I can do that is that I, I, I take a little bit of time to get my act together before I go out and smash a home run. And you can't, there's no such thing as eternal home runs back to back. I mean, it just doesn't happen. And so in order to get that sort of perspective on how to, you know, smash, a, a smash out another awesome uh, uh, piece of work, there has to be a little bit of uh, not rest and relaxation, but there's definitely got to be a little bit of kickback and, uh, and, and just uh, feel things out for a day or two and see how you're doing. For sure. And I know, like, I forget who, I, th I think it was on your, uh, one of your IG uh, moments there you're talking about. Oh, I've uh, had some moments. You've had some moments, yeah. Like, uh, focusing on not the whole course, but just what's happening that right in front of you. I don't know if it was you oh, right. or, and, and it's, uh, like, focus on the stairs in front of you, but not the whole staircase. Right. And, and I have... it's hard to do that when you're everything's so big picture here. So what, I, what I'm going to do, uh, do you ever do mountain man? No, no, I haven't. So I did, so I did mountain man right out of battle school. And uh, the reason why is because I'm sitting in Shiloh and they say, 
who here wants to do Mountain Man? And everyone's like, what's Mountain Man? It's like, well, it's Worst a 33. Mountains. Yeah, it's like it's a 33 kilometer run with like 40 pounds on your back. And then you got to carry another 110 pounds for five kilometers. And then you got to canoe for 10 kilometers and then run for another 5.7 kilometers. Who wants to do it? No mm. one put up their hand. And mm. then he said, you get a week in Edmonton. And I'm like, I'm in. No training. I think I trained for a week before I went. And I start going. And the whole time, all I could think about every step was what injury could I fake all to right. make, to make yeah. this, like, they ha it has to be good. It, you know, I, I got to have blood or a bone sticking out. And I just had my head down. That's all I was thinking about because I was so focused on that first, that's the step in front of me. But I was thinking, what's a good injury to fake? Got to be, it has to be bad. The army sent, spent me here, sent me here for a week. I got to do that. Next thing I know, I, I finished in the top 10. Bro, I, I love Al it. I think Alvarez Isle was right in front of me and, and I like, couldn't believe it because like the guy's been training forever and you know, I'm a <laughs> six foot tall chubby guy. You know what I mean? Like, like just not built for running and I just right. ran, right? So but built to go. Like, built to go, right? And, and I think I've just been here. I've just been so focused on that, the, the next step in front of me that I haven't had time to think of that step where maybe I can lay down for a bit or go home for a while or something, right? And Or what does that look like? I, I honestly don't know. Like, I've been here for so long now that it's just, it's hard to, without that victory, I, I get, it, it's so weird. It would be, it's a weird concept for me to go home. You know, it, it's, I understand. I know it's, it's something that has to happen eventually. It's just, it's a hard concept to grasp. It is. And, you know, I just had a couple of thoughts while you, while you were mentioning that on your point of, you know, looking for the way out, looking for that. I'm, I'm right on the precipice of the start line, but I'm looking for my way out. And then you're across the start line. I'm looking for my way out. And when I was a young buck in, I just got posted one PPCLI. In fact, the first time I went overseas was to Norway for uh, a month in uh, 1984. And so, or 83, sorry, whatever. I, we were going to Norway and I just got posted one PPCLI. And I walked into the uh, shacks uh, in CFB Calgary and um it was a common bathroom, as I'm sure you're familiar with, lots of stalls and whatnot. And and I hear, like, voices in the, there's about eight stalls in there or whatever. And I hear voices in there. And, like, these guys are, they're, they're arguing with each other. And and uh, it's a whole thing. And, and then I hear, Wah! and I'm like, what the hell? And so a guy runs past me. Out of the out of the common uh, area and he looks like he's just done wrong and then I hear like all sorts of screaming and, and I go in I open the door to the stall where there's a toilet in <clears throat> and there's a guy trapped in the toilet in the toilet bowl his feet had gone through the porcelain and he was stuck and here's what had happened. And this is crazy to me, bro. I mean, I've never forgot this as an example of how not to be that guy. So these two boneheads that had a couple of beers got it in their heads that they didn't want to go to Norway because they like doing parade drill. They didn't like army stuff. And so 
One of them had got into the stall, put his leg across the toilet bowl. The other guy got on top of the stall, and he was going to jump, land on the other guy's leg to break it so that he didn't have to deploy to the field. I mean, can you even believe that that's real? I'm sure maybe you can, but let me continue. So at the last second, as the guy was in the air, the other guy pulled his leg out, panicking. So the other guy went straight through the toilet bowl, and I'm looking at this bonehead like, are you kidding me? And of course, it all played out not too well for those two characters. But I've never forgotten that situation because, and you know, there's your duty, and then there's doing the right thing, and then there's being a goof. And, and I think that no one I know is a goof. I just don't hang out with them. But there's doing your duty, and that's good enough for me. But then there's doing above and beyond, which is what you're doing. Does that make sense? Oh, I appreciate those. That's very kind of you. It, 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 it definitely feels like a never-ending battle here. Like, uh, on my, from my side, I know it's going to come to an end eventually. It just, but yes, I, I definitely know what you mean. And we, I think we all know guys like the guy stuck in the toilet bowl. Like we all For know sure. guys like, maybe not literally extreme. belong in the toilet bowl. <laughs> that's a, uh, that's a shitty day. That's, it's the worst. <laughs> I'd like to flush that day out of my mind is what I'd like to do. God, he must've been really wiped after that experience. Yeah, I, uh, I I needed a little bit of toilet paper to dab my eyes off. Yeah. You, how did you feel after that? Were you down in the dumps? <laughs> I, I had to wipe it uh, out of my uh, history bank. <laughs> oh, man. That, that Where are we going to stop? Out of 10, I rate that one a number two. <laughs> <laughs> you win. <laughs> um, so, you know, on that note... Um, you know, those guys made those decisions and, and, you know, it's ridiculous that they got themselves into that position. Uh, however, um, you know, there's a, there's a point where every person, man or woman, has to kind of think about not quite the toilet bowl situation, but what's my line in the sand? Like, what? Enough. And obviously you're not going to get someone to jump on your leg. So there has to be a point. Have you thought about a point? It's a hard question, pal. I'm putting you on the spot. Have you thought about a point, an actual triggerable goal or event or milestone where you know that now you're just looking for ways to extend beyond what is reasonable? Yeah, and I think I think I've I, I wrote out a list. And um, awesome. And and I wrote, I wrote out pretty early on my kind of journey here, mission here. And last week I checked off the last box on that. Roger that. So I'm, it's just hard for me to pull pin, you know what I mean? And, and Understand. but I, I know, and I know like the first thing you teach in first aid is you got to put your own tourniquet on before you can help your friends. Right. And, and I know that, and I, and at 39, I, I got to figure out what I'm, you know, what I'm going to be doing, right? So, uh, and I'm sick. I've only got 24 seconds left. Apparently, this is time limited. I'm going to have to end this real quick. I don't want to okay. lose I, it. 
I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I gotta bail out anyway, so that works out great. Dude, okay, we could have done this all day, but I gotta let you go. I don't want to lose this eleven seconds. Here we go. Peace, pal. It was awesome. Cheers. I'll touch uh, on uh, uh, on a separate one. Sounds good.